Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. Please get your Bibles out and go into your Old Testament. We're going to be studying primarily from the Old Testament in our sermons today, and we're going to start with 1 Samuel chapter 4. Please go to 1 Samuel chapter 4 as you turn there in your Bible and get ready to study. Let me just say that we're just so happy to be here back with you again. We were away for a few days on vacation, and we certainly appreciate our shepherds, our elders, for giving us the opportunity to get away every now and then to kind of recharge and get rejuvenated, and we, we certainly appreciate that, but we are especially happy to be back home. There's no place like home, and we're so happy to be back with our favorite people on the planet, and that's God's people right here at Monta Vista. We're just so happy to see you and to be, be able to worship with you this morning. We're going to begin this morning with 1 Samuel, the fourth chapter, starting with verse number 15. In verse 15, the Bible says this, Now Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were set so that he could not see. The man said to Eli, I am the one who came from the battle line. Indeed, I escaped from the battle line today. And he said, how did things go, my son? Then the one who brought the news replied, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great slaughter among the people when your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been taken. When he mentioned the ark of God, notice not when he mentioned his sons. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell off the seat backward beside the gate, and his neck was broken and he died, for thus he was old and heavy. Thus he judged Israel 40 years. In the Bible, in the Bible, there are many different people who wore many different hats in the service of God. Have you ever noticed that before? You ever notice how throughout the Bible we come across so many different people who wore so many different hats in the service of God. For example, Moses, the great servant of God, he was a prophet, and he was a lawgiver, and he was a deliverer of God's people. Peter was an apostle, and he was a preacher, and he was an elder in the Lord's church. David was a shepherd and a military leader, and eventually he even became a king in Israel. Samuel was a prophet, and he was also a priest, and he was also a judge. And then this man we just read about here in 1 Samuel chapter 4, he may be the most interesting character of all. Notice how in these verses, the Holy Spirit mentions to us a man named Eli. Eli, Eli it's not as famous as Moses or David or Peter, but like those men, he also wore many different hats in the service of God. He also was the last judge or one of the last judges of Israel. The Bible says here that he judged Israel for 40 years. He also was a teacher of God's law. And he was a high priest who served at the tabernacle of God in Shiloh. And he also had two sons who were priests, and he also was instrumental in the raising and spiritual development of the great prophet of God, Samuel. Eli was a man who wore many different hats in the service of God, but he also, he also had some problems. 
He also has some very serious problems. He has some very serious failures in the eyes of God. You know, one of the main things that I really love about the Bible is the Bible has no problem exposing the flaws of the people who are in it. The Bible has no problem telling us that the people we read about in it were just like me and just like you. You see, just like me and you, the people we read about in the Bible, they, they too made mistakes. They too experienced failures and spiritual setbacks. They too sinned in their lives and they often suffered physical consequences as a result of their sins. The Bible never shies away from laying bare the flaws of its characters. You see, God knows that just like we can learn from the successes of these people, we can also learn from their failures. We can learn from the failures of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we can learn from the failures of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we can learn from the failures of Noah and Lot and David and Peter and Paul. And we can even learn from the failures of this man named Eli. You see, Eli wore many different hats in the service of God, but he still failed God. In three very important ways. First, according to what we find in the book of 1 Samuel, Eli failed God by failing to be a good father. He failed God because he failed to be a good father to his children. And I know, I know that today is not, not Father's Day. I know that. I know I don't get to go to Job's Crab Shack till next Sunday. That, that's next Sunday. That's not today. I I know that, but if you don't mind, can I make a Father's Day point a week early? If you don't mind, can, can I make the point this morning that one of the main things, one of the main things that the Holy Spirit focuses on concerning Eli's story is he was a bad father. He was an awful father. He was a terrible father. And to be fair, he is not the only servant of God that we can read about in the Bible who was a terrible father. You just finished recently in the auditorium class studying the book of Genesis, right? And one of the things I hope you notice as you study through Genesis was this guy named Jacob, Israel. This man was a bad father. He wasn't really a good person. He had a lot of problems. He's not really a good person. I'm not the biggest fan of Jacob. But one of the main problems he had is he was not a good father. He violated one of the top rules of parenting, and that is you are never supposed to show favoritism between your children. That's a big no-no. You're never supposed to do that, and, and Jacob did that. He showed favoritism between his children, and that caused a lot of problems, a lot of friction between his sons. David may have been a man after God's own heart, but study his story very carefully, and you're going to see he also was not a good father. He's a terrible father. Samuel was not a good father. Many of the kings of Israel were not good fathers. The Bible is loaded with example after example after example of people who served God, but they were not good parents at all. In fact, the case of Eli is particularly interesting. I want you to go in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 2, and I want to read several passages that I think will prove this point we're trying to make this morning. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, 
beginning with verse number 12. In verse number 12, the Bible says, Now the sons of Eli, remember in chapter 4, we found out the names of these sons. They were Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas. The sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. And the custom of the priest with the people, when any man was offering a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. Thus he did, thus they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest meat for roasting, as he would not take boiled meat from you only raw. If the man said to him, they must surely burn the fat first and then take as much as you desire, then he would say, no, but you shall give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. Thus, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men despised the offering of the Lord. Now, drop down, please, to verse 22. In verses 18 through 21, we find some more information about Samuel, the great prophet of God. But in verse 22, it says, Now Eli was very old, and he heard all that his sons were doing to all of Israel, and how they lay with women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. He said to them, Why do you do such things, the evil things that I hear from all these people? No, my sons, for the report is not good, which I hear the people circulating. If one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen. Notice he has no influence with his children. I wonder why. It says they would not listen to the voice of their father, for the Lord desired to put them to death. Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor both with God and with men. Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt and bondage to Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose them from all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to carry an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the fire offerings of the sons of Israel? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling, and honor your sons above me? Honor your sons above me by making yourselves fat with the choices of every offering of my people Israel. Now let those verses, let those verses really process and soak in your heart for just a moment. Notice how while Eli while Eli was a man who wore many different hats in the service of God, his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were evil. They were sinful and wicked and corrupt in so many different ways. In verse number 12 of this text, the writer calls these men worthless men. Some of your translations may use the language Corrupt men. If you have the old King James translation, there the language is rendered they were sons of Balao. You know what that means? That means they were children of the devil. They were children of Satan. Even though they served God at the tabernacle, they were really servants of the devil. Why were they servants of the devil? Well, notice what the Bible says. The Bible says they were thieves. The Bible says that they 
made their bellies full by stealing from the sacrifices of God. They also were notorious fornicators. They also laid with prostitutes at the tabernacle of God. They committed sexual immorality at the very place where God was to be worshipped. These were worthless men. They were corrupt men. They did a lot of wicked things. And the really sad thing about this is their father, Eli, who is the high priest, he knew about their wicked deeds and he did nothing to stop them. He did nothing to discipline and correct their evil behavior. In fact, the, the verses we just read make it very clear that instead of disciplining his sons, Eli did three things that no good father would do. First, he set a bad example. He set a bad example in verse 29 of this text we just read. A man of God, a prophet of God, rebukes Eli because he abused the priesthood just like his sons. Just like his sons, he also kicked at the sacrifices of God. That language there indicates that just like his son, Eli also abused and took advantage of the priesthood. He took advantage of his position. He, like his sons, will also keep the best portions of the meats to himself. Instead of stopping his sons, when he realized that they were abusing the sacrifice of God, Eli would participate with them. He would also make himself fat, the Bible says. He set a bad example for his sons, and he also honored them more than he honored God. Then you notice that in verse number 29 and verse number 29, the man of God told Eli that God was upset with him because he honored his kids more than he honored God. How many parents are guilty of being just like Eli today? How many parents like Eli also put the feelings of their children before the feelings of God? How many parents never exercise any kind of discipline towards their children and try to correct their bad behavior because they don't want to hurt their feelings. They don't want their kids to get upset and, and mad at them. They don't want to listen to shepherds or, or Bible class teachers or even grandparents when they come to them and try to point out the wrong behavior about, about their children that they're noticing instead of trying to do something about the bad behavior that is evident in their children, what they do is they downplay it. They defend it. They, they sugarcoat it. They are... They're just like Eli. You see, Eli knew that his children were doing awful and terrible things at the tabernacle. But you know what he did? He sat back and he did nothing. He refused to stop them from doing evil. He refused to stop them from committing all kinds of sinful acts at the tabernacle of God, while he does acknowledge to them that what they were doing was sinful and wrong, God wanted him to do more than that. Remember, the man of God came to Eli and he told him that God wanted him to take some action. When you look at the next chapter, when Samuel comes to Eli and Samuel confronts him, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in chapter 3, and verse number 13, Samuel tells Eli that God wanted him to restrain his sons. 
He wanted him to rebuke his sons. He wanted him to grow a backbone as a man, get his hands dirty and stop them from doing the evil that they were doing. That's what God wanted him to do as a father. Eli failed. He absolutely failed as a father. And I think there are some practical lessons that we can learn from those failures. First, from the failures of Eli, I think we see this. I think we see that good people, good people can raise bad children. People who love God, people who serve God, people who worship God like we are worshiping God even today, they can raise bad children. They can raise wicked children. You know why that can happen? Well, the reason why that can happen is because God made us all the same way. The reason why that can happen is because God made each and every one of us in his image. God made us all with the ability to make choices. Why Eli was a flawed individual. And we need to make that point. Eli is a flawed individual. But in the big scheme of things, to be fair to Eli, we also need to point out that he was someone who wanted to serve God. He wasn't perfect, but he did want to serve God. He loved God. He wanted to have a relationship with God. He wanted to know the heavenly father. Eli was a spiritual man, but his sons, his sons were very different. His sons were worthless men. His sons were sinful men who did not know God and they didn't want to know God. They made a, a very different decision about God than their father. They are a prime example of how as children get older, as they mature, they eventually have to decide for themselves what they're going to do with God. They eventually have to decide for themselves what they're going to do with Jesus. They have to decide for themselves if they're going to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. Just as God doesn't force us to serve him, we can't force our children to serve him. We can't force our children to want to serve God and, and love the Bible. Eli couldn't force his sons to serve God and respect God's law, but that didn't mean, listen carefully, that didn't mean that he didn't contribute to some of these problems. He did contribute to some of these problems. While he couldn't force his sons to serve God, God rebuked him. God rebuked him because he didn't set a very good example. He didn't live right before his children. God wanted him to understand that his example did matter and not only did his example matter, but his actions mattered. You see, in addition to telling his sons that what they were doing was wicked and sinful, God wanted Eli to set a better example by honoring the sacrifice of God himself. And he also wanted him to discipline these sons. He wanted him at the very least to remove these sons from the priesthood. That's what a good parent would do. That's what a good parent is supposed to do. That's the kind of stuff that God wants us to do for our children today. God wants us as parents today to teach our children what is right, to teach them the right standard, and to live that standard in front of them, to be a righteous example in front of our kids, and to discipline them, discipline them when they get out of line. 
When our kids get out of line, God wants us to show some real love for our children. God wants us to not be afraid to hurt their feelings. He doesn't want us to be afraid that they're going to get mad at us. They're going to stop wanting to be our friend. They're going to stop liking us. He doesn't want us to make excuses for their bad behavior. He doesn't want us to turn a blind eye to what they're doing and try to, and try to sugarcoat this stuff. No, God wants us to be real parents and take action. Take action. That's what Solomon talks about all through Proverbs, remember? In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24, the Bible says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves his son disciplines him diligently. In another passage, in Proverbs 22 and verse 15, Proverbs 22 and verse 15, Solomon says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Eli, Eli didn't do that kind of stuff. Eli failed God because he failed to be a good father, but not only did he fail to be a good father, he also failed to consider the seriousness of sin. You know, one of the things that we don't need to overlook when it comes to Eli's story is it doesn't, seem, it doesn't seem like he realizes the seriousness of his sins and the sins of his sons. I mean, while he does acknowledge that what his sons were doing was wicked and, and sinful by his actions, or should I say by his inaction to discipline them for their evil, what Eli really demonstrated was a form a form of indifference. He demonstrated some apathy. He demonstrated kind of a nonchalant attitude towards the true seriousness of the situation. He failed to understand that in addition to his sons being put on a path of spiritual destruction, they also were setting a bad example for the entire nation of Israel. They also, by their actions, were signaling, they were signaling to, to all of Israel that when it comes to sin, well, sin's not really a big deal. In verses 23 and 24 of these verses that we read, notice how the Bible makes it very clear that word was starting to spread about the actions of Hophni and Phinehas. People throughout Israel were starting to hear about these, these wicked things they were doing at the tabernacle of God, and that would certainly have an impact on them. Anytime men and women of spiritual influence engage in hypocritical behavior, those who hear about that behavior and even observe that behavior, they are negatively impacted. Isn't that what Nathan wanted David to understand in 2 Samuel 12 and verse 14? Remember after Nathan the prophet exposed the sin that David had committed with Bathsheba. In 2 Samuel 12 and verse 14, Nathan told David that his sinful actions had given occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme. David's actions had a negative impact on other people and how other people viewed God. Paul wanted Peter to understand that, didn't he, in Galatians chapter 2? Remember, Paul confronted Peter to his face because he was guilty of hypocritical behavior. He was treating the Gentile Christians one way in public and another way in private. Paul wanted Peter to understand that that was sinful. That was going to cause division in the body of Christ. This is why Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been studying that. 
Remember in Matthew 5 and verse 16, what did Jesus tell us? Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who's in heaven. What is Jesus saying there? Well, there Jesus is saying that the actions of disciples, the actions of people who are supposed to be followers of God, it has an impact. It has a powerful impact. It has a powerful impact either for good or bad. Our actions can either motivate people in the world to want to love God and serve God and devote themselves totally to God, or our actions can lead people and cause them to want to mock God. Our actions can discourage people and drive people further and further away from God. Our actions can cause the enemies of God to blaspheme and give them ammunition to point fingers at us and say things like, those people claim to be Christians, look at how they live. Look at how they conduct themselves. Listen to how they talk. Look at what they put into their bodies. Look at where they go. Look at how they conduct themselves around other people. There's nothing special about Christians. There's nothing special about people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. They're, they're just like us. They're just like the world. In fact, they're worse than the world because they live a lie. They're hypocrites. That's the kind of negative impact sinful behavior from people who are supposed to be followers of God can have on the world and maybe if Eli understood that he would have been a better example to his sons and maybe he would have made a serious attempt to stop them from doing the corrupt things they were doing at the tabernacle Eli clearly didn't treat his sins and the sins of his sons as a serious matter he let terrible things go on for far too long you see God warned him repeatedly he warned him repeatedly about the sins of himself and the sins of his family, and Eli failed. Well, he failed to heed those warnings. He failed to heed the multiple warnings of God. In fact, you know what Eli did? He actually ignored the multiple warnings from God. That's what you find going on in the rest of 1 Samuel chapter 2. We don't have the time to do this this morning, but if you go home today, and you read the verse of 1 Samuel 2, and if you read the next chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I recommend that you do that, what you're going to see is that through two prophets, through two prophets, through this unknown prophet, this man of God, and through the young prophet Samuel, God is going to, he's going to tell Eli about what's going to happen to him and about what's going to happen to his family because of unrepented sin. God's going to tell Eli that because of unrepented sin and because of bad parenting, because he refused to discipline his sons when he knew they were doing things wrong at the tabernacle, both he and his entire family were going to be cut off. They were going to be cut off from the priesthood and both of these sons were going to die. Eli was going to lose both of them on the very same day. That's what God told him was going to happen and you would think that after hearing this message on two different occasions from men of God, that would, have, that would have woken up Eli, right? 
you would think that that would have finally put some zeal in him and gave him some courage and motivation to go to his sons and do something, make a serious effort to stop them from doing this evil. But unfortunately, it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything for Eli. Eli still didn't punish and remove his sons from being priests. He didn't correct his sons. He didn't discipline his sons. He continued to stand back and allow them to do the wicked things that they were doing. And as a result of that, in due time, what God said was going to happen, it did happen. Both Eli and his sons and his whole family were cut off from the priesthood and both of these sons died on the very same day. They both died while carrying the Ark of the Covenant into battle against the Philistines. God warned Eli multiple times about the consequences for, for his bad leadership. And the question is, are we doing different than Eli? Eli didn't listen to the warnings of God. But the question is, are we listening to the warnings of God? Because God does give us a lot of warnings in the Bible, doesn't he? I'm reminded of what Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2. You remember what Paul told us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? There Paul told us that one day the Lord's going to come back like a thief in the night. And the world's going to be destroyed. And because of that, we need to make sure that we are living right. We need to make sure that we are prepared for the coming of Jesus at any moment. Are we listening and heeding very carefully to that warning? Are we heeding the admonition to make sure we're living right because our Lord could come back even on this day? Or what about the warning Solomon gives us at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes? What about the warning found in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse number 14? How are we responding to the reality Solomon gives there that God sees everything that we do? He's watching us all the time and there's going to come a day when he's going to bring every act into judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. How are we responding to that warning? And then what about the warning of Jesus in Matthew 5? Verses 29 and 30. We studied that in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember what Jesus told us in Matthew 5 and verse 29. He says, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. What is Jesus trying to get us to understand there? Whether Jesus is trying to get us to understand something that Eli didn't understand, and that is sin is not only real, but it is serious. It is a serious matter before God. In fact, it is so serious that we need to do whatever we have to do to get it out of our lives. Otherwise, Jesus says that we will go to hell. Jesus says that hell is real. It's not some made up place. It is a real place. It is a place that is terrible. It is awful. It is so bad that words can't even describe it. It is so bad that Jesus says that whatever sinful thing you got going on in your life, get rid of it because no sinful pleasure is worth holding on to and causing us to end up there. You see, God gives us multiple warnings. 
about godly living in the Bible. And unfortunately, Eli, he didn't heed God's warnings. He didn't heed the multiple warnings of God. And as a result, he suffered. And his family suffered. In fact, going back to his story one more time, you remember where we started in our lesson. We started with 1 Samuel chapter 4. Remember we read some verses from 1 Samuel chapter 4. Those verses we read from 1 Samuel chapter 4, they were actually verses 14 through, or verses 15 through 18. In those verses, we actually began our lesson by looking at the end. We consider the conclusion of Eli's story. In those verses, we find Eli 98 years old, and he is blind, and he's full of regret. We find him still judging the people of Israel. And he hears some bad news that both of his sinful sons had died in battle. They died in battle carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And he is so disturbed by hearing about the Ark of the Covenant, not about hearing his son, about his sons. He knew that was going to happen. No, he's so disturbed about hearing about the Ark of the Covenant that he falls back out of his seat because he's a heavy man, the Bible says. And he breaks his neck. He dies on the same day as his sons. His story does not end very well. The question is, is how's your story going to end? How's my story going to end? How are our stories going to end if our lives ended even on this day? If our lives ended for whatever reason on this day, or if the Lord came back, even on this day, would our stories end up in a good way or in a bad way? My friends, if you sit there this morning and realize that your story would not end up so well, if your life even ended on this day, then you have an opportunity here as we get ready to sing an invitation song to do something about that. You can heed the warnings of God this morning by preparing for what is to come. By believing in Jesus and repenting of your sins and being baptized if you're not a Christian or if you are a Christian, you're a child of God like Eli was. If you need to repent and get things right in your spiritual life, if there's anything you need to do this morning to heed the warnings of God that he gives about godly living, let us help you with that right here and right now as we stand and we sing together.